In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. We just heard in the epistle from St. Paul to the Ephesians that grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace was given to each of us. One question is, how or when was that grace given? Was it given when we were created? To a certain extent. But more than that, it was given when we were recreated in baptism. That's when we receive the fullness of the grace, of the gift of grace from God. It's in baptism that we receive the fullness because it's in baptism that we die with Christ and that we rise with Christ. It's in baptism that we put on Christ. How can we not receive the fullness of His grace when we put Him on, when we take His life upon ours, when our life gets worked into His life? And so I want to talk about baptism today. This is the Sunday after Theophany. This is the Sunday after the Lord's baptism. The Lord was baptized to bless the waters, to sanctify the waters, to bless the sacrament of baptism. Not because He needed it, because He had sin. He didn't have any sin. He didn't need to be baptized. John the Baptist says this, right? I need to be baptized by you. But Christ submits to baptism to bless the waters. And in blessing those waters, He opens the door of grace for us when we are baptized. So on this Sunday after the Lord's baptism, I want to talk about our baptism. And typically, whenever we have a baptism in the church, I'll preach a little homily about it. Um, But it's been a while since I've talked about its meaning on a Sunday um, with more people gathered. So, Baptism, baptism serves two purposes. First of all, baptism is a washing, right? It's a washing. It's a, it's a cleansing of the sins in your life up until that point. That's purpose number one. It's like the ultimate forgiveness. The best time to die, according to Father Christopher Stanton, is when you come out of that water at baptism. He, once, he baptized Deacon Peter Camilos on our church porch... Uh, and it was so cold that there was ice on top of the water, right, before, before Peter went in. And Peter said, but Father, what if I have a heart attack, like when I go in the water? And Father Christopher said, what a great time to die. It'd be perfect, right? You're going to be clean. So it's, it's, for, it's for the forgiveness of sins. It's also for the opening of grace. It's a rite of initiation. It's the first sacrament that we experience in the church. right? And it opens the doors to the other sacraments. Chrismation, confession, communion, which is the sacrament of sacraments. right? Marriage, ordination, burial. Okay? Baptism opens the door to the other sacraments. It opens the door to a life lived within the stream of the grace of God. And 
I can't emphasize enough how important this access to Holy Communion is. Christ says in John chapter 6, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. This is a very literal thing. A very little, literal thing that non-Orthodox have taken metaphorically somehow or another when they take everything else literally. But access to Holy Communion is our lifeline. That's our lifeline. We, we say in the prayers before Holy Communion, one of the lines, uh, the, there are repeated themes of, do this for my sanctification, for my salvation, to impart your grace unto me. But one of the lines in the prayers before Holy Communion that we should be saying at home is, lest that through long absence from communion with you, I become the prey of the invisible wolf. Right? When we go without Holy Communion for a long time, we suffer. The devil has free reign over us, so to speak. Why? Because we're missing out on that grace of God. Grace is given at baptism, but we have to sustain that grace. Right? We have to nurture it and, and renew it, so to speak. Through our sinfulness, we can... Um, we can lessen the effect of grace that it has on our life. There are lots of analogies that we can give, but basically, at baptism, we're given, God gives us a full garden, a beautiful garden, full of all sorts of fragrant blossoms and beautiful flowers. Well, if we never water the garden, if we never weed the garden, if we never take care of it, then it's, it's going to die. Or it'll be overgrown with weeds. So, coming for frequent but not casual communion is a way to keep the grace of God burning within us. Now, in the service of baptism, in the service of baptism, there's a huge commitment made to Christ by the candidate being baptized. And it's either, as an adult, you either do it yourself, you renounce the devil, and you spit on the devil, and then you unite yourself to Christ. Or if we baptize an infant, then somebody does it on their behalf. But we draw a very clear line in the spiritual sand, right? There's a war on, and this war is between God and the devil. God wins. Spoiler alert. God wins. God always wins. Because the devil, it's not a yin and yang sort of thing. The devil's not equal to God. Right? God has way more power. He will win. But we choose to be on the winning side of this spiritual struggle. This struggle between life and death. Between corruption and incorruption. Between holiness and unholiness. So, in the baptismal service, there's a vow that's made by the person. And this vow is a lifelong commitment to Christ, and they keep that commitment by keeping the commandments. This is likened to... Um, the, the vows that are taken by, like, military personnel, for example, right? That they will fight and defend our country 
you know, and defend peace and freedom and fight and die for each other, right, when they're in battle. A couple thousand years ago, Julius Caesar was marching on Rome, and, there's a, and they came across a river called the Rubicon, right? Have you ever heard the phrase, crossing the Rubicon? It comes from this scene where Julius Caesar and his army are marching on Rome and they realize that once they cross the Rubicon River, there is literally no turning back. They're either going to take Rome or they're going to die. Okay? There's no turning back. And that phrase, crossing the Rubicon, has become this metaphor of making a commitment to something without turning back. And in baptism, we definitely cross the Rubicon. But more than that, we actually cross the Jordan River. We cross the Jordan River. And I can prove it. I can prove it. In the Vesperal Liturgy uh, of St. Basil that we celebrated on Wednesday night, this is on the Eve of Theophany. So this was the liturgy for the paramon of the feast, the first of the two Theophany liturgies. There's a series of 13 Old Testament readings, right? And each reading has something to do with water, each one. But reading number eight is from Genesis chapter 32, and it talks about Jacob, who's returning from his time with Laban, his father-in-law, and he's returning back to his homeland in Canaan. And Jacob has an abundance of, it says, oxen and asses and flocks and men servants and maidservants. And he has so many people that he, he hears that his brother Esau, who was out to get him, is coming along the way. He's going to meet Esau. He has so many people, he splits them up into two companies just in case Esau decides to attack. He'll only wipe out half of the group, so to speak. But he's got so many people, he has two companies, servants and animals and whatever, in abundance. And I'm thinking to myself, what does this have to do with theophany, with baptism, with water? Well, at the end of this reading, Jacob prays to God, and he says, I am not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and all the faithfulness which thou, O God, hast shown to thy servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan River, and now I have become two companies. So the backstory is when Jacob is running away from Esau after stealing his birthright, his birthright and the blessing of Jacob, or the blessing of Isaac, when Jacob runs away from Esau, he takes nothing with him. And he crosses the Jordan River. And all he has is his staff. Now, when he returns, he's a rich and wealthy man. God has blessed him in this way. When we are baptized, especially, this is most evident, when an infant is baptized, that infant goes into the font naked. There's nothing there, right, except the hair on their head. And when they come out of the baptismal font, they're robed in a white robe, and then they offer their hair to God. That's all they have. That's everything that they have to offer to God. It's a first offering, not a last offering, by the way. The hair in baptism is a first offering. 
right? It's that sign of crossing the Jordan River. I'm not turning back. We also have this in the lives of the saints. St. Mary of Egypt, when she repented from her life of sin and debauchery, she's praying in the church and she hears a voice say, cross the Jordan and you will find peace. And so she goes, she receives communion, takes a few loaves of bread and crosses the Jordan and doesn't see anybody for 46 years and spends her life in repentance. But she finds peace, she finds holiness and sanctity. She finds God when she crosses the Jordan. Jacob crosses the Jordan and he's blessed. And when he comes back, he follows God and he's blessed. So, in the baptismal service, our metaphorical crossing the Rubicon moment is when we go into that water and that water is the Jordan River. We don't cross the Jordan, so to speak, we plunge into it. We're immersed in it. And that immersion into the waters is an immersion into the death of Christ. And when we come out, that's a resurrection with Christ. Right? As St. Paul says today in this epistle to the Ephesians, He ascended on high, He led a host of captives, and He gave gifts to men. And what does it mean that he had also, that he ascended, except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? When we go into that water, we're going into the tomb with Christ. As many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And this is why it's so important, as often as possible, it's not always possible in every circumstance, we try to fully immerse somebody in baptism. Right? Get them all the way in. I had a teacher at seminary, the question was asked, how important is it to get somebody all the way under in the baptismal font? And the response was, well, Christ wasn't half buried in the tomb. <laughs> he was fully buried in the tomb. So we go all the way under. We're fully buried. And then we come all the way out. We rise with Him. We rise. And the goal of our Christian life, when we keep the commandments, is to ascend with Christ. To ascend with Him up to heaven. Because ultimately our goal is the kingdom of heaven. Our goal is the kingdom of heaven. The washing of our sins in this life is only step one. That's the removal of the dirt, the removal of the corruption. But the infusion of grace is step two, and it's up to us to keep that with us for our entire life. And so... So, in baptism, we have the washing of sins and we have the bestowal of grace. This awesome gift that God gives us. It's the opening of doors to a life of grace. Access to Holy Communion. Access to commune with the body and blood of our Savior. In baptism, what we have is we have a moment when we cross the Jordan, so to speak. When we cross the Rubicon. When we go into the Jordan, we stop being consumers. We are not religious consumers. We are communicants. We don't just come to church, receive communion, and go on our way and think nothing of it. We have to spend our lives thanking God for what we've received and preparing for the next gift. Our whole life has to be oriented towards the kingdom of heaven. Because Christ 
is the kingdom of heaven. He says so in our gospel today, Matthew chapter 4. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Who's at hand? Christ is at hand. He doesn't say it's far off and it's coming. He doesn't say it'll be here when I take over you know, Israel and overthrow the Romans. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here and now. And the fathers universally agree that the kingdom of heaven is a reference to Christ himself. So in baptism, we enter into relationship with Christ. We stop becoming consumers, and we start becoming communicants and enter into a relationship with the living and uncreated God. Wow! Isn't that amazing? I mean, really, the only reasonable response should be something like, Shazam! Right? Like, wow! Remember Gomer from Andy Griffith? Shazam! Right? Like, the older crowd is like, yeah, Shazam! He's always said it in amazement, right? It should be one of awe and wonder and, and thanksgiving. And thanksgiving. Our baptism is such a gift, but we often take it for granted. And this is why we encourage people to attend the baptisms of other people. Because when you hear those prayers at the baptismal service, you're reminded of what happened to you. We say in the creed, I believe in one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Well, what happens after baptism when you sin? The tears shed in confession, the tears of repentance, cleanse us. The fathers say one tear for your sins is as strong as the waters of baptism. So how can we not want this gift? How can we not want this grace? As St. Paul says how, in, in Hebrews, how can we neglect so great a salvation? Behold, now is the time. The time for our salvation is at hand, and the time for us to grow into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ is here. Brothers and sisters, let us think about our baptism. Let us think about the vow that we took. Let us think about the offering that we made, first with our hair and then with our lives. Have we fulfilled our vow? Maybe we need to do better. Chances are we need to do better. But there's always, we, are, we spend our entire life reorienting and repenting and turning towards Christ. So there's always hope. There's always hope. If you have gone longer without Holy Communion than you know you should, come back. If you've gone longer without going to confession than you know you should, come back. Always turn towards Christ. And if you find yourself sitting on the outskirts of the church, wanting in, wanting that gift of grace, then the Lord says, come home. Welcome home. Come to the waters. He is the living water. He will offer the living water to you that flows from the throne of God, as it says in the book of Revelation. Our baptism was not just a one-time act. 
and now it's over and done with. It was the beginning of a life of grace, and we live it, we need to live it, throughout our entire lives, every day of the week. Brothers and sisters, let us be thankful for this gift of grace, and let us cherish it, and nurture it, and treasure it. And let us spend our entire lives repenting and pursuing the kingdom of heaven because Christ says, Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. Let us cross the Rubicon. Rubicon. Let us cross the Jordan again and again and again. Let us offer God our entire life every day of our life, that we may spend all of eternity praising and blessing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is in our midst.